When you think about David, even this morning, as we began to think, okay, we're, Pastor Scott's going to be preaching and focusing on David, what was the mental picture that you got? It's striking, isn't it, that oftentimes those stories that resonate with us from particular characters are how we picture them all the time. And certainly, the David and Goliath story is that story that so often resonates with us. We love the idea of a garrison being able to, through God's power, slay a James. Because God can do big things. And yet... That's not the only picture that we have of David. We have also, of course, some sad stories, some hard stories. We have David and Bathsheba, where David, in essence, in a couple fell swoops, committed rape and ultimately murder. We have David not being able to manage his family well. Ultimately, Absalom, one of his sons, chases him out of Jerusalem and wants to kill him. We have these stories of David that don't put on that rosy picture, and yet, what is is the phrase that we use to describe David? He is a man after God's own heart, right? The text over and over says that about who David is. And this morning, as we dig into this passage from 1 Chronicles 17, we're going to be digging into a passage where we understand more fully why David is a man after God's own heart and how God lived into that in David's life and then how David responded to that to teach us how we can live into God's presence and power in our lives and even understand better. What does it mean for us to be men and women after God's own heart? That's going to be our exploration this morning as we dig in. Let's pray for God's blessing and presence with us. Father, we ask that you meet us in the power of your word. Remind us over and over again of who you are, how you were faithful to David, how you made promises to him, and you were faithful to those promises despite the fact that it was messy oftentimes. Lord, may we be reminded that the promises that you have made to us are promises that you will be faithful to, even though it's messy for us. Lord, in that, may we understand that our call then is to live into gratitude, to reflect who you are to us, to the world around us in such a way that they can see we're not capable of doing any good thing. But in you, every good thing is possible. And as you equip us, you equip us to that end, Lord. May we point others towards you and say, this is the God who does this, and he's the only one. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I ask you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Chronicles. If you're looking in your Bible, um, you're going to look at uh, 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, and then ultimately you're going to get to 1 and 2 Chronicles. If you hit Psalms, you're too far, go back a couple books. It's about maybe one-third, one-quarter of the way into the, to the book. We're looking at 1 Chronicles chapter 17, the second portion of the chapter beginning at verse 16. Begin by reading the first two verses. Then King David went in, sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, Lord God, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? And as if this were not enough in your sight, my God, you have spoken about the future of the house 
of your servant, you Lord God, have looked on me as though I were the most exalted of men. Now, we're jumping in halfway into this chapter, and if you haven't read um, much of the chapter before, or if, you know, if you even move back a little bit, you're going to see that David is in um, this really amazing place where God has equipped him to build a palace. Because David is the second king of Israel, Saul was the first king, but Saul never had a palace. David is the second king. He has the, um, the call of God to build a palace, which in essence is God transforming the people of Israel into a new thing. Remember in the past that Israel had how many tribes? Twelve tribes divided all over Israel, and each tribe had a certain section of Israel, and the king um, was in essence, Saul was the king of all of those tribes, but he was mobile in that leadership. He would send out messengers to go speak to those tribes, and they would have to bring people to wherever he was, and he was not always central. If you even see, when he was fighting the Philistines with David, he was not in the area of Jerusalem. He was a little bit, um, little bit to the uh, east and a little bit north of Jerusalem in a different area where the Philistines were. So God in David is doing something new, not just in a king who is a man after God's own heart, but he's centralizing the kingdom around the palace and ultimately what we know will be the temple. To this point, we know that there is um, simply the tabernacle. Solomon, the next king after David, will build the temple, but now we're getting a centralization of Jerusalem being the place that focuses the kingship. David is called to do that, and that's why Jerusalem was called the city of David. But David says, okay, I got this palace. That's great. Thank you, God. I am grateful for that. But my palace should not be better than your house, O Lord. And in fact, he had planned to be the one to build the palace. But then Nathan comes to him. Nathan is the prophet of Israel. And he says, no, hold on, step back. God has spoken to me. It's not you who's going to build the palace, David. It is your son. But understand that your son is promised to be king, and I will be with him. Not only that... But forever, your line, your family will reign. Now, I'm just wanting to put that upon you parents. If God spoke to you and said, here's the assurances that you have about your kids, God will be with them, and they will do great things that the whole world will know who God is because of what they do. How many of you are in for that? I certainly am, right? That sounds like a good idea to me. God promises me that my kids live into faithfulness to him and have a great future. I mean, how many of us are worried? Anyone here worried about the future of their kids? Some of you even are sitting beside your kids and you're like, yeah, I'm worried about you. I do all the time. I pray for Katie and Cam and Cameron, my daughter, and Troy because I want to see a future in which they know God. And are assured that he is with them. And God will do great things among them. David gets that promise. It's no wonder that he overflows with worship here. Because God has given him the longing of almost all of us as parents. Your child will walk with me. And they will do great things in the kingdom. 
has to warm a father's heart. 18 through 22 says these words. What more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant. Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing and make known all these great promises. All these great promises. Your king will be on the throne. They will build my temple. They will be on the throne forever. There is no one like you, Lord. And there is no God but you. As we have heard with our own ears, and who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whose God, who, whose God went out to redeem a people for himself and to make a name for yourself and to perform great and awesome wonders by driving out nations from before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt. You made your people Israel your own forever and you, Lord, have become their God. So David now is affirming not only the promises that David heard through Nathan, but also the promises made back to Abraham in the covenant. I will be your God. You will be my people. And God has lived faithfully into those promises. But David affirms them something that all of God's people should know. That you have established, O God, your people among the nations to proclaim your name to the world in such a way that they see who you are because of us. I think that's actually one of the keys to why David is a man after God's own heart. Because in him receiving promises of God and blessings of God, he does not hold on to them and say, what great things. I am so blessed. This is awesome. David lives into instead, everyone, listen. Look at what God has done. People of Israel, we have been blessed. Let's tell the world what God has done. Let's be a people who proclaim to the world around us everything that God has done in us and do so without ceasing. Because when we stop, we're no longer faithfully living into who God's people are supposed to be. And that might get some judgment upon us. Oh, guess what? That happened. Ultimately, God's people didn't live into proclaiming and living into that proclamation to the world around of who God was in his power of transforming, redeeming them from Egypt, giving them a land flowing with milk and honey, giving them the promised land where they could then establish that proclamation to all the tribes around them. But we don't do what the people of Israel did, do we? We don't stop ever proclaiming who God is in gratitude with our lives, do we? How many of you are into that 24-7? I want to ask this question. How often do you talk of who God is? I want you to think about, I want you to think about your week this week. How many times when you were in your workplace were you proclaiming who God is? To get you to think about this a little bit, I'm going to introduce you to a couple of people. The Monsmas. Stand up just for a second, the Monsmas. These are new folks to the river. Everyone say, hi, Monsmas. Awesome. You guys can be seated a minute. I just want you to get a face. Um, the Monsmas are new to this community. They moved here from San Jose three, four months ago, something like that. They're just getting reestablished. Grace lived here when she was very young, and now she's sort of reestablishing herself here. Um, but something happened in the world, of, in Monsma land, in the last two weeks that has changed everything, right? 
Penelope, the first grandchild. They'd never had grandchildren before. And now, all of a sudden, Mark and Grace are grandparents. Now, I'm friends on Facebook with Mark, and here's what I can tell you. Mark has posted in that two weeks maybe about six or seven, eight times. I think almost every single one of them, even if he's posting about something else, he said, and I can't wait to go see Penelope. He wants to see his granddaughter. They've made trips to Whittier, where their granddaughter is. They take pictures. They talk of, in fact, I guarantee you, if you talk to them after the service, they're going to pull up pictures. They're going to talk about the beauty of this new, incredible, amazing thing that God has done in them because it is such a blessing. God has given them blessing because God has given them blessing. They can't help but speak of it always. You see where I'm going? You and I know grace. We know life. We know hope. We know purpose. We know transformation. And in the same way that a new granddaughter should move us to communicate to the whole world around us, our life is different now because of this beautiful, incredible thing that we now have. How much more should the grace of Jesus Christ become something that we should be speaking of with everything that we have? We get embarrassed to think of speaking of things of faith. We're going to get rejected. We are fearful to step into those hard places because someone might think differently of us. Let me tell you, these people are unashamed grandparents. They don't care whether or not you think they're ridiculous because of how much they love their granddaughter. It's that much to them. And Penelope's not going to save them. But Jesus is. And Jesus has. How do we then live into that? Think about your past week. How many times did you speak in the love of grace of Christ? And should the next week be a little different? God has given us everything. How do we speak of that? David knew it. He spoke of it. A man after God's own heart. What do we have to learn from him? 23 and 24. And now, Lord, let the promise you have made concerning your servant and his house be established forever. Do as you promised, so that it will be established and that your name will be great forever. Then people will say, the Lord Almighty, the God over Israel, is Israel's God. And the house of your servant David will be established before you. Okay, now, as I'm speaking, I want you to keep your eyes on those verses. David is asking for a whole bunch of things that are good for David, right? You be faithful to your promises, God, to me. You be faithful promises to your, to your promises for my family. You've made promises to me, David. Be faithful to them to me, David. It sounds, or it can sound, rather selfish, right? We hear that and we think, boy, David really, he's on the handout train. Keep giving to me, God. Keep giving to me, God. But remember the heart of David. And the heart of David was to proclaim to the world around him when he received anything good, that the source of that goodness was always God. And so for him to receive anything good meant that David perhaps got the benefit, but God ultimately got the glory. And the world knew it. 
And for us to hear that and be reminded, it's okay then for us to pray for God's blessing. For us to pray that God comes in, transforms, makes things new, blesses richly and with abundance in ways that move us in, in, in to new capacities, new abilities, new contexts where all of a sudden the beauty of, of God in our lives is more if we are willing in all of that to reflect the glory to him. I have incredible kids. I pray selfishly for them often. But I can tell you that nothing that my kids or my family has through my children is anything except through the power and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear that. And if you ever hear otherwise, then you get in my face and you call me on it. I see God moving here in this community in different ways. I see faces out there that I know your stories of what God is doing in your life. That's wonderful. But I want all of us then to be able to say, that is a story where we see God at work and everyone needs to see, look at what God is doing here. This is what God is doing. This is good for this family, good for this person. But this is because God is who God is. And the world needs to hear more of that. That's our movement. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. Let's close the passage in verse 25 through 27. You, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. So your servant has found the courage, found courage to pray to you. You, Lord, are God. You have promised these good things to your servant. Now you've been pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue forever in your sight. Lord, for you, Lord, have blessed it and it will be blessed forever. You can hear in those words, Lord, you have blessed. Now we will bless you. You have given to us. Now we will give our all to you. Friends, for us to hear that, And for us to also be reminded that David over and over messed it up. We know the story of David and Bathsheba. Now what's interesting is if you read the rest of the book of Chronicles, you're not going to see the story of David and Bathsheba. It doesn't appear there. It appears in 2 Samuel. That story has the story of David and Bathsheba. Chronicles has a different purpose as a book. But in the story of David and Bathsheba, do we see David reflecting the glory to God? Of course not. He messes it up. He he makes those sins and mistakes that kills his testimony to those around him. And yet, what does he do? He prays to God. If you're following along in the Psalms devotions, you know how many Psalms we've gone through over the last several weeks where David has gone before God and he said, what am I, Lord, that you are mindful of me? Come forgive me. Come transform me. Come make me new. Even in his recovery from not reflecting the glory of God to the world around him as God has done good things in his life, he does even that recovery in being able to say, God has done this. God has redeemed. God has forgiven. Friends, there are some of you who are in places where you're like, I've messed this up. I've fallen away from giving God glory with my life. I've become selfish. I'm a person who takes. I'm a person who grabs whatever I can selfishly. That change maybe begins now. 
What can be different in the week ahead? This past week, you can perhaps count how many times you spoke about God on one hand or less. Maybe next week, you can go on two hands. Maybe the week after, you begin to have trouble counting. Because you will, with your life, live out a testimony, a proclamation. This is who God is. We wonder why David was a man after God's own heart. Because David, with his life, took all the good things that God gave to him and said to the world around him over and over and over and over again, this is God at work. This is what he does. And if you do not know his presence, you're going to miss out on all of this stuff. Come, let's go to the house. He says, come, let's go to the house of the Lord and worship together. He wants to bring people into God's presence. Friends, that's a challenge to us. Let's consider each ourselves in the week ahead. How is it that in all the good and even the challenges that you face, that you and I can reflect the goodness of God to the world around us and proclaim to them, this is who God is. Let's pray. Living God, hope of the world. You have redeemed us. This is your movement among us, making us new, giving us blessing, keeping your promises, giving us the grace of Christ that transforms everything for us. Oh God, may we then live into that proclamation to the world around us of this is who you are. This is what you do. You keep your promises. You transform your people. You bring all good things. Lord, do not, do not allow us to become mute of your glory. Give us the courage to speak. Give us the courage to move beyond our own fear and our own hang-ups. That we're not seeking to punch people in the face with the gospel of Jesus, but we are at least seeking to bring comfort, encouragement, and even challenge to those who need to hear it. Equip us to that end, Father, because in and of our own selves, we are incapable. But through you and through the grace and the spirit of Jesus Christ present within us, we are empowered to that end. Empower us this week. We can go from this place equipped to proclaim to the world around us the glory of the risen Christ. Pray these things all in Jesus' name. Amen.